In January, I sat down with Dr. Mary Haskett and Gino Fernandez, two people involved with Pack Essentials, an on-campus initiative that helps students struggling with food and housing insecurity. During the interview, we discussed the initiative, Dr. Haskett's research on the subject, Gino's personal experiences with the program, and his work on the new media campaign. We decided to meet back up at the end of the semester to talk about the progress that Pack Essentials has made and the impact on the student body of NC State. So um, my name is Mary Haskett, and I am a professor of psychology in the College of Humanities and Social Sciences. How you doing? Uh, my name is Gino Fernandez, and I am a junior majoring in microbiology and minoring in political science. For everyone who did not tune in last time, uh, we are talking about Pack Essentials. Um, can you both give us a little bit of a reference for those who haven't listened before about what Pack Essentials is? Yeah, so Pack Essentials is a program that helps students, provides resources for students to meet their basic needs, and it's just a great resource for students on campus. Yeah, and the resource is readily available. It's a website, so you can go to Pack Essentials um, through the NC State. Um, website. And at the website, you can find information about how to access those wonderful resources um, that Gino was just telling us about. Gino has been part of a media campaign where his picture was used to bring awareness to students facing a variety of hardships on campus. The flyers featured phrases like, pay your medical bills or purchase a meal plan. You don't have to choose. The images were displayed around campus on TV screens and napkin holders. So me, myself, I have been um, helping promote and campaign. I was a part of the campaign uh, that took place early this semester and also last fall semester um, involving students to be more aware of the issues of um, on-campus homelessness and food insecurity here at NC State. Pack Essentials is a relatively new effort on campus. Yes, yeah, so Pack Essentials is a new resource that just started um, this year, and it is an online portal of all of the resources related to food and housing for our students. So instead of having to shop around all over campus to try to find these sources of help, you can go to One Stop now, and that's the Pack Essentials website. In the previous interview, we discussed the basics of Pack Essentials, the goals, and how it generally works. Can you tell me about any changes that have happened over the course of the semester? So the goal has stayed the same. Um, our approach has changed a little bit. We started this work focusing on a lot of isolated programs. So enhancing our food pantry and beginning the emergency fund and the meal swipe program that we can talk about. But in addition to these individual programs, we're focusing now on a more comprehensive structural change across campus so that all of these resources are tied together and so that we have a long-term approach to solving this challenge for students. So we're taking a more global approach now, which is going to be a little more time-consuming and a little bit more expensive, um, but one that's going to be essential. So Gino, do you have anything to add to that um, that you've noticed over this semester? Yeah, definitely. Um, so one thing, uh, one thing that I was approached to help uh, to be a part of this campaign and and um, share my voice and share my story and uh, really advocate for the use of on-campus resources and um, 
and also to spread the awareness of the issues and also to get the message out there. Like um, there are resources for students on campus to use and, you know, they're out there and the the rates of homelessness on campus and the rates of food insecurity, which um, just over the semester, I was talking to a couple of friends and, you know, they're telling me like, did you know, you know, one in 10 students, you know, have food insecurity. And I'm like, well, actually, yeah, you know, I'm on the poster, but, uh, it, but it's really good to hear that. Okay. Like th- we got the conversation started and that people are talking about it and people are aware of the facts and the issues, which is honestly like a good first step in order to solving them and making uh, bigger steps and, and really uniting people across this issue. Would you say that starting the conversation has been kind of the first step in this process? Yeah. Uh, personally, I would say, yeah, that's, uh, that's, that's the first step. Um, when I was approached uh, to do this campaign specifically, I had already learned a little bit about the issues. I just happened to be at uh, uh, a, the program, uh, was it a summit? Mm-hmm. Or that where they were describing the, the actual issues and they, they brought the facts and the studies um, that was conducted and they presented them. I just like I literally just happened to be there that day. And I was like, wow, that's really interesting. And then so a couple months after the fact um, to be able to help get that message across um, to the to the broader student body, um, I felt like it was something that I definitely wanted to be a part of. And I feel like it uh, it definitely has done its part um, as far as helping getting the message out there. And to kind of piggyback off of that, you, as you've mentioned a couple times today, and also we talked about last time, you were the face of that, you know, new media campaign where your posters were all over campus. Do you think having that visibility of a student who has gone through these issues, do you think that has kind of spurred student involvement to, you know, reach out for these in, um, resources? Have you heard anything? Yeah, um, yeah, for sure. So, um, you know, one thing that happens often when you, when your face is all around campus is people take pictures of it and send it to you, which is really funny, but which is really a good thing because yeah, we want you to take note of like, wait, that's Gino. And, um, and, uh, uh, I'm involved in, in a lot of different communities and, and programs here at NC state. So I, you know, I know a lot of people. So when they do see my face, like, okay, I know that person. And it, it, it gives it, uh, it gives a level of tangibility to the issue. And I feel like that's important. Um, you know, the fact that people will stop and take the picture and send it somewhere and share it means the message is getting shared, which I think is uh, a great thing. And it sort of makes me happy every time somebody sends me a picture of myself. It's super funny, um, but it it's for a good it's for a good reason. And I'm super, super glad I was able to be a part of that for sure. Um, Dr. Haskett, um, I'm not sure how involved you were in this campaign, but. Have you noticed um, with the new media campaign, has that made a difference on uh, perhaps any research that you've been conducting or just in general, um, how have your numbers been looking? Yeah, we we will repeat the survey again in a couple of years. Um, So we haven't collected any new data on rates of um, food insecurity or or homelessness among students. And I don't expect that those numbers are going to change drastically quickly. Um, through the media campaign, but what we do know is that it has led students to take action. I'll give one example, um, and that is that student government um, advocated strongly to have a meal swipe program initiated here on campus, and University Dining was supportive of that because the collective student voice insisted. 
And, and that is exciting because what students are able to do now at the end of the semester is donate any unused guest wipes um, on their meal plans. And thousands of those meals have been donated now um, on the Pack Essentials site. And students that need meals can apply for those meals, and the meals are going out. So those meals that were donated at the end of last semester have been put to very good use. And students will have an opportunity to do that again at the end of this semester. So that's really exciting. And that came out of that media campaign. Students saw the posters, students asked the questions, and stepped up in a big way. You said something that got my attention there, donating guest meal swipes. Uh, could you elaborate on that? Uh, what's the process for donating a guest meal swipe or uh, even a meal swipe in general? Is uh, what, What's that whole process like? Yeah, it's a great question. I don't know the exact mechanics of it, but I do know that at the end of this semester, students who have any meal swipe, any guest meal swipes left on their meal plans will get an email with instructions about how to donate those meal swipes. And they will go directly to the Pack Essentials Meal Swipe program and, and deliver to students who need them. I'm not sure how it works technically, um, but, but I know it's a simple, easy process. Can you tell us how the Meal Swipe donation was started? Yes, I will say that students have been advocating for this for quite a while. There is a national program called Swipe Out Hunger that provides um, a model for these meal swipe programs. Um, and so I know that the students have been pushing for this for a while, for, for at least a couple of years. But I think the data coming out and the, the campaign um, being promoted has really kind of um, increased the university's willingness to step up. Um, and I believe this was put in place last fall for the first time. It's relatively new. Congratulations to student government for making that happen. Yeah, that's that's a great initiative. Um, it's really glad to or I'm really glad to hear things like this are working out. So it sounds like um, Pack Essentials has had a very successful first year, year and a half. Would you say? Yeah. Um, as far as my uh, as far as I've seen, like yes, uh, they've done a great job of of getting their message out there. A great job of campaigning. Um, and and a great job of of you know getting some action behind the campaign as well. I think that's yeah, I agree. It it has been successful. Um, and what we need to do now is take take the university to the next level, and um, really focus more deeply on prevention. What do you hope to see for the future of Pack Essentials in the 2019-2020 school year? Yeah. So so one of the things I would like to see is. Um, we, we just completed what's called an asset mapping experience where we brought students and faculty and staff from across the campus together to talk about what are the resources that we currently have, what's working, where are the gaps, and where do, what do we need to do next. And out of that asset mapping experience will come a strategic plan and a call to action to the university, particularly to upper administration. We have a lot of um, hard work that's that's been completed, but extra hard work ahead of us, and it's going to take um, a significant investment from the university to get us where we need to be. We're, we're going to have increasing rates of students with basic needs insecurity in the coming years. If the university meets our mission of increased 
enrollment of students from rural areas of North Carolina and from community colleges, I am 100% in favor of that that push. But we also have to recognize that those students may come with fewer resources. Um, The rural areas of our state have not um, come back from the recession as much as um, the more urban areas. And so those students may come with some financial struggles. And if we don't get ahead of this issue, we're going to we're going to have a bigger problem. Um, so we have an opportunity right now um, to, to make a change. Um, that sounds great. I honestly didn't even consider like the impacts of changing the demographics or just even, I'm sure, growth in general would uh, inc- cause an increase in these issues seen across campus. Right. And we have we have issues in Wake County that are also at play. So we have a significant challenge with affordable housing. And as the affordable housing close to campus, the supply decreases, that's going to increase the number of students who are struggling to find affordable places, safe, affordable places to live. Also, as well as like the on-campus housing crisis that was uh, that's that's currently going on and that how that is going to be situated and how that affects, you know, uh, large groups of students. And um, so definitely, definitely could play into this and. There's definitely a, a need for, you know, for these programs. And um, and it's also an opportunity for them to be really effective as well. So Gino j- just mentioned um, something that, that stimulated a thought for me with respect to campus housing. Um, I think we need to give kudos to University Housing because they made um, a decision this year that's going to have a really positive impact on students, and that is to remain open through all school holidays starting next year. This year they stayed open for Thanksgiving, and I believe there were seven or 800 students that applied to stay over the Thanksgiving break. So they decided that next year they'll stay open for all breaks except the break in between semesters. That's a huge commitment on their part, so kudos to University Housing. So this is not completely tied to just university resources. There are also community resources available for these students. Um, I th- we may have touched on that um, during the last interview, but it was a while ago, and unfortunately we lost the audio <laughs> due to our technical difficulties. But <laughs> Yeah, the, the, PAC, the PAC Essentials site includes some resources available in the community, but what we haven't done a very good job of is tying university and community resources together for students to make it easily navigated. You still have to make a lot of phone calls and ask a lot of questions to, to find those resources off campus. Yeah. And yeah. And I think we touched on this at the end of our last interview where, you know, um, although, you know, the on-campus organizations not might, uh, might not be in direct contact with you know, community organizations in order to solve this issue, but at least, uh, you know, having a on-campus representative or um, ombud uh, be able to direct people to those community organizations and those community resources as well as the on-campus resources, uh, which the community resources sometimes could be harder to find if you're not, you know, if you're at a school and, you you know, you see school stuff, uh, you know, because you're in the environment. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Or maybe students just don't have time. It's really hard as a student to find the time to look for all these extra resources, especially when 
I'm sure they have jobs, classes, you know, a lot of extra stuff on their plate. In that vein, do you guys have any ideas uh, on how to get assist with students that need help reaching out? Uh, they have limited time, resources, trying to reach that crowd that has a need for those services, but not necessarily the means to access them. Yeah, we unfortunately do, I think, poor job of that as as a university system. Um, students really are left to their own devices and some students get lucky and have advisors or faculty members who can serve that role for them. Um, but others really struggle to, to navigate um, pretty complex systems. One of the things that that the steering committee for PAC Essentials would like to see is a set of what we call single points of contact that are trained in the resources and they really understand the ins and the outs and how to apply um, and how to navigate those complicated systems. Um, so that will be one of the things that we will probably push for in a strategic plan is to have an office full of experts on resources. Yeah. It's really lacking right now. Yeah, I could definitely see something like that being extremely beneficial. Um, fortunately, I, I'm a, uh, I am a member of TRIO, uh, and so I am in the TRIO Student Support Services, and that has been my uh, sort of point of contact for resources. Um, Sarah Wright does a great job of directing me towards different resources and opportunities, but um, just like Dr. Haskett said, there's, you know, that's... Uh, Trio has a limited amount of seats and a limited amount of spaces, and um, and you have to be eligible. And I, I believe they have a wait list now. So um, I'm in the program, but what about those who are on the wait list to be in the program? And um, I feel like if we it, it'd be really effective and, and really beneficial if we were able to address uh, address those issues using a single point contact. Along those lines, uh, point of contact, are you guys looking into uh, physical accessibility and like uh, an office or a location on campus that students can kind of walk into? Yeah, and I would love to hear students' perspective on where should those people be? Should they be scattered around campus? Do we need people in Centennial plus, you know, the, the North Campus? Where, where should they be? Um, should they be all together? Should they be spread out? Um, we, we would love student participation in that, in that conversation. And we do have students on our steering committee, um, but that would be a particular place where we would want input. And what should be the skill set? Um, I would love to hear Gina talk about what Sarah Wright does that's so helpful. Um, she has been a savior for so many students, and really if we could you know, clone her 10 times over, we, we'd solve half the problems. What is it about what she does that's so helpful? Well, yeah, so Sarah is, a, again, a great, amazing resource. So, um, you know, first of all, she's like, if you have questions about anything, and she really means anything, like, come to her. Like, I'm like, you know, Sarah, I don't know what I'm going to say this summer. All right, boom, she pulls up the list. Check, you know, check, uh, checks all up. You know, she'll pull up a Facebook page of, like, uh, the subleasing houses or, you know, she'll really try to work within, really understand the student and really work within specific constraints and, and specific issues that I have. Like Sarah, um, I, I need help with this one part of my resume. All right. Um, if she, if one thing that she's really good at doing is 
if she does not readily have the answer, she's extremely well and extremely networked at directing me towards the right person. All right, you need to go talk to this person or you need to um, be a part of this program or you need to uh, go check out this resource on campus. And, um, it, and it, it, it makes it a lot simpler on my part. Like uh, I could have, uh, you know, everybody has a complex life and, and with that it's complex issues and, and um, trying to find different resources for all your different issues could be um, time consuming, uh, you know, energy consuming, and, uh, you know, it's difficult because, you, you know, then, you're, you know, you're just, you know, you're calling people. You don't even know if you're calling the right people. You don't even know if you're reaching out to the right people. And um, and so it really it really makes it um, extremely beneficial. Like, OK, you know, uh, I mean, about anything like I've gone to her with my resume, um, she, you know, she looked it over and I got a, a, an amazing internship over the summer at Biogen because I was able to, you know, get my resume looked at as well as class scheduling. Like, you know, she's not my academic advisor, but um, especially at a school like NC State where we have so many students and the ac academic advisors can be sometimes saturated with the amounts of students. I can come to her for some academic advising, um, which, you know, really that saves me a trip and a headache with, um, you know, uh, you know, having to go through the, academic advising when, when they're extremely busy or, um, I mean, anything like anything like, uh, Sarah, how, the problems at work, like Sarah, how should I deal with this? Uh, well, you should probably contact this person or you should probably do this. And so, you know, just, just having, it's almost like a, a, a mentor or advisor that really can help direct and, uh, you to resources as well as provide many resources. It's very interesting because I, I remember last time when we were talking, I had just done an interview for Technician about TRIO too, and it lined up really well um, that I had talked to three of your fellow TRIO mates. I don't know what you'd call it, friends. Um, so what I've gathered from what you've said and what they said is it seems like uh, TRIO provides not only the resources, but also someone who knows a lot about this stuff and knows the students and like very intimately cares about their students. So um, intimately was maybe not the right word, but they really care about their students. Um, is this kind of what both of you are feeling is what is needed for PAC Essentials? Yeah, I think I think um, having somebody who's one familiar with the issues, uh, just, you know, just if that's their field of study or if, if that's, you know, something that they're involved in or something they're actively you know, passionate about, uh, she's very familiar with the issues that I face. And, um, you know, she's worked with a lot of students before, so she's experienced in that. Um, that really helps. And it really, it really, it really gives you comfort. Um, because it's not like you're dealing with the issues. You're like, okay, like somebody else understands this issue, understands what I'm going through even better than I do, which, which is, that's that's extremely beneficial um and so just having somebody who who could really put themselves in the student's shoes and really uh sort of has that empathy for the student like okay like if i was you know doing all of this stuff how would i feel um and you know even just that alone regardless of the resources even that alone is is a, it, it it does wonders and do you think um for students who are maybe a little bit afraid to reach out for these resources do you think having that personal element would probably be a drawing factor 
Um, yeah, I feel like, uh, yeah, you know, sometimes when, when you see stuff, uh, it could be impersonal and it makes it a little hard to reach out. Um, I'm not that type of person. Uh, I'm a very, um, well, I had to grow into be that, to that person who, who can just, you know, I need help. I'm going to go find it. Um, you know, I'm, I'm usually a very proud person. I like to do stuff, uh, you know, all on my own, but, um, but understanding that there are, there is help and understanding that, you know, you know, you, you don't have to tackle everything by yourself and you're really just sort of making it hard on yourself and, and having those, those people that I can directly talk to about my, uh, about anything, uh, about resources definitely would help. Um, and I, I could definitely see how it would help somebody who is afraid to reach out to a large organization or just, uh, just, um, you know, call a number or, you know. Is there anything else you'd like to add to that? Maybe um, what your committee or um, organization has been thinking? I'm not sure what the correct term would be, um, but what uh, you all have been thinking about that? Yeah, we we know that students who are experiencing hunger and housing insecurity can be shamed by that. There is stigma associated with poverty in our country. And so there is a tendency for those of us who struggle to try to be invisible and just make it work and just, you know, keep keep our challenges hidden. Um, the problem with that is that it takes a toll on us. Um, if we're constantly wondering where the next meal is going to come from or where we're spending the night tonight, it's really hard to focus on academics. And so because it's hard to talk about um, having somebody that cares for you personally, it's much more likely that you're going to use that person as a resource and acknowledge the challenges that you're having. And it's also more likely that that adult, if you will, will be comfortable asking the question, do you have enough food to get through the week? Um, so that relationship really is the critical piece of this. I would totally imagine you have to have someone who not only you can come to with the hard, you know, parts of life, but also who asks the hard questions. Right. Right. Yeah, as well. Yeah. That's, that definitely makes a difference. Um, Cause you know, you know, Dr. Haskett hit that one directly on the head, but you know, sometimes it's hard to just like, Hey, I'm dealing with this, this and that. Sometimes, you know, you know, people need to be pried open. Like, you know, what are you going, you know, yeah, it's just, it's not just about availability of resources, but also student outreach. So, okay, kind of bringing it full circle, question for both of you. What are you most excited for or looking forward to working on for the future of uh, this initiative? And what are you most proud of that you've seen this year? So what am I most excited for and what am I most proud of? Okay, so one thing that I'm really excited for is to see these initiatives uh, come into fruition and come into reality, which for me to be a part of it and for me to help get that message out uh, that really means a lot to me um, to be able to represent a group of people, um, especially a disadvantaged group of people who don't have resources or who don't have who who struggle with food insecurity. That that really means a lot. So to see like the actual initiatives take place, it's like, wow, like I've, I'm making a difference. And that's really exciting to see that. And also to see, you know, the the benefits that that would bring to this community and to this campus and to this university 
I'm really excited about that. And I'm, I'm excited about continuing being a part of this campaign and this initiative. I'm a junior, so I have a year and a half to go. So to continue being an advocate and to continue helping this initiative and this message get out. And continuing on the thought of uh, what you're excited for. We've talked about large uh, organizational goals, but what are your personal goals for the upcoming year? Yeah, so um, I think the thing that continues to inspire and excite me, and I've been here since 1990, so I've been around a while, um, and it's students like all of you that get me excited and make me feel proud. Uh, this year, the students gathered together and developed a, a student coalition on basic needs. How cool is that? <laughs> and, and you guys are the ones that are going to make a difference in this initiative. It's not going to be faculty and staff. It's going to be the students um, explaining why um, this need exists and making some demands and um, bringing it to, to upper administration as a concern that, that students have. Uh, so I'm really excited about what's going to come out of the coalition's work next year. And I guess just to kind of wrap things up, so I know both of you have touched on student involvement um, and how important that is. Gino, of course, your face being across campus, you know, we all have talked about how important that is. Um, how can students um, who want to help out with these issues, how can they get involved? How can they become a part of this? Join the coalition. There's a Facebook page. I think it is NC State Student Basic Needs Coalition. Looks like Gino maybe is going to look that up. Um, they are getting organized and um, ready to, to take some action next year. So I would say join the coalition um, as a way for that collective student voice to be heard. And we can um, link that on our blog too. Yeah. Um, let's see. And also, I guess, just in case someone didn't catch the first one, if a student is experiencing these issues, how can they uh, get involved with the resources they need at Pack Essentials? Um, so Pack Essentials is pretty simple, pretty straightforward. You just go to the website and um, yeah, you go and you complete an application um, and you describe your needs and yeah, and then and they should get back to you and so if you qualify or yeah, just uh, real simple, uh, dasa.ncsu.edu slash pack essentials. It's a fast process, too. So it's meant to be um, quick, and students can, can get access to the emergency fund, sometimes most of the time within a day. Same for the meal swipe program and the meal scholarships. Well, thank you both so much for updating us on how this initiative is going. I'm very excited with what you both have told me, and I look forward to, well, Hopefully still being around somewhat at NC State, even though I'm graduating and seeing, you know, how these things turn out. Thank Thanks you. for the opportunity. Yeah. Thank you for having us. And also thank you for being a part of it and having us on the show as well to help spread the message. Hi, this week on Packed Lunch, we're going to talk to Deborah of Sunflowers Cafe. She's the owner and operator of the cafe that has half vegetarian menu, a lot of art and much more history. Uh, first question, we talked a little bit before the mics went live. Uh, you're from Holden Beach, right? Mm -hmm. That's right. So how did you get here? I actually went to NC State way back in the day when girls were just being admitted. Oh, yeah? There weren't a lot of us. What kind of degree did you graduate with? I graduated with English education. Teach? I did actually teach for two years, but 
I decided it wasn't my cup of tea. <laughs> was that a pun? <laughs> yeah, you could take it like that. Anyway, it's, it's the class that not a lot of people like, but everybody has to take. Well, I'm, I actually worked in restaurants when I was at State to earn a little extra spending money. And then, after I stopped teaching, I actually cooked for a fraternity at NC State. So it's appropriate that you're interviewing me. So that was exciting. Eye-opening. <laughs> Talked about a little bit the past. What's going on with sunflowers right now? What kind of... I know my favorite sandwich isn't going to be here for a little while. It's the... What, what is it called again? The cranberry oh, The cranberry licious. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. There you go. Cranberry chutney and our house-roasted turkey, brie, lettuce, little mayonnaise on pumpernickel bread. That'll be back in November when the fresh cranberries come out. Well, right now it's all about the salads and, well, we just started our chilled soups this week and we have this delicious uh, tomato avocado soup with cilantro. It's so good. Everybody loves it. And then we have a chilled cucumber. Before too long we'll have watermelon gazpacho and classic gazpacho and vichyssoise, which is chilled potato with leeks or some kind of onion. So how many, um, approximately how many people work here? About six. What's it like having a close-knit group like that? Well, I'm so fortunate because I have my, I have my core four, I call them, have been working with me. One for 16 New Year's, one for 15, one for 14, and then the last one for just a couple of years. But we're such a team because we've worked together for so long, and we just love each other. I could tell. I talked to uh, Karen, and she she seemed like she was really at home. She was very. I asked her. She was the owner because she seems. Well, she works up front, so everybody thinks that she and Chris are married and that they're the owners. As we were discussing other restaurants in the area, I asked, "What makes Sunflowers different?" Well, I mean, we have an awesome variety, first of all, and we cook so much of our food. We roast our own beef, we roast our own turkey, and we slice it fresh every day. We have the best Philly steak and cheese. You know, we caramelize our onions, and it's, and we pack our uh, beef with thyme and fresh garlic before we roast it. It's so good. Our homemade chicken salad is our best seller with grapes and pecans. That's really good, on, especially on our sunflower bread. Our breads are locally made. We make all of our dressings. We make our own mustard. I mean, we do a lot of cooking here. And you do all the recipes? I'm, I do a lot of them, but I mean, you know, my employees over the years have added. It's a collaboration. It's a family business. It is. Well, my husband and I opened it. He was a remodeling contractor and a cabinet builder. He built, he totally renovated this place, built the tables. Oh, see the pedestals or sunflower leaves and built the arbor. The um, arbor is built out of cypress that was cut down by his grandfather. So, when we leave, we have to take the arbor with us. So, what did what did this building start as? Was it always, or did you build it completely? No, it was a Hardee's, and then it well, it sat empty for probably six or seven years before we moved in. We've been here almost fifteen years, and we were the first restaurant on Glenwood South, and we were there for about twenty-one years. So we've been open going on thirty-six years, long time. I started it when I was ten. <laughs> What do you think's gotten you this far? I mean, I'm a hard worker, and I'm passionate about my place. It's my baby. <laughs> my children might not like hearing me say that, but 
So there's art hanging around. It's one of the first things I noticed when I started coming here. So who do you guys show? Are, do they put in like an application or? No, we just, well, this lady, Elizabeth Galecki, has hung her work here several times over the years. She does these fabulous black and white portraits. And, but this time she has something different. They're still lives, unusual things. I mean, people come in and ask me if they can hang, or I might hear about somebody and I'll call and ask them if they want to hang. And we usually change monthly. I love that about it. And I, over the years, I've bought a few pieces, my favorite pieces that have hung on the walls. So what do you think from the beginning of Sunflowers until now, what do you think's really changed? The traffic. <laughs> no, I love what's going on downtown. I, th I think our city planners have done a fabulous job. And I love the the buildings. I think it's just a beautiful city. I really do. And it's clean. And I'm excited about the growth, except for the traffic. That's the downside. Where did the name come from? Well, when we were over on Glenwood Avenue, it was an old drugstore and it had the corner, the corner of the building was held up by a pole. And so we had the idea of putting a big flower up there. And so then we decided, well, what flower would we have? And we decided on sunflowers, but then we never put the flower up there. But, but we just decided on the name, and I love the name because sunflower is a big flower, and it's kind of humble, and it follows the sun all day, and, you know, it's a cool flower. And plus, you can eat part of it. And you guys have sunflower bread, right? Exactly. I think that's all we have time for. Thank you. Uh, you've been very pleasant, and I appreciate that you give me the name. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for having me.